All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Can you see it? Did you notice? Checked, but the puck comes right to Pedersen, who tries a bank pass for Besser. In with a shot, he scores! You're listening to Canucks Conversation. Quinn Hughes, beat reporter here. Like, I don't, I won't cover the Canucks. Yeah. I cover Quinn Hughes and what he's doing to the Canucks. A member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. Just wave the guy and get Demko involved. I wanted them in and down Wow. We should do a radio show together. <laughs> right on. I want to fist bump you right now. Pearl steals, cutting in, shoots, scores! Don't waste all the good stuff on the off air. Let's go. Hello, Canucks fans, and welcome back to another episode of the Canucks Conversation presented by those great folks over there at Zephyr Epic. Series 2 has launched, and guess what, folks? You can find a Andre Kuzmenko rookie card. They're going for over 100 bucks right now. I've seen some graded ones up in the $400 for the Young Guns, the first rookie card from the Series 1 or 2 set of Upper Deck. It's a beautiful-looking card, Andre Kuzmenko card. I want to get my hands on one. I like the Young Guns because it's kind of my base one to go with. Like, I like the the simple rookie cards from, like, the base set. I don't need anything fancy or these jersey patches. It's just cool to collect the rookie cards. That being said, they have it there 
at ZephyrEpic.com. Use our promo code HockeySeason. That'll get you $5 off your order and free shipping Canada-wide from Vancouver to Victoriaville, Quebec, all across Canada. What's the furthest east you've been? I feel like I've asked you this before. Probably Montreal. Montreal. Not okay. very far east. No, I've been to the Maritimes. That's as far yeah, as I've Yeah, I haven't, so. It's a it's beautiful. I'll be back for sure. Because my fiance is from For there. this far east in Canada. Yes. Clarify, right, so. right, right. Exactly. Um Harm, we uh quickly we didn't have much time. You were you're you're running on quadrelli time coming in here with uh, five minutes to spare today. I was making a tea. Tight little uh tight little run into the episode here. But one thing you did mention, we're almost at the end of the season here. We're almost at the end. Of the Vancouver Canucks season, we're coming up near the conclusion of it for sure. And with that, what are you excited about in the what are you excited about in the summer? What's coming up uh, in the summer? Do you have any major events? Or are you just looking to do something? Are you looking to learn something? What are you looking for this summer when <laughs> hockey is over and we can relax a little bit? Yeah, it's a good question. I uh, funny enough, I'm actually looking at um, summer wise doing some. I guess travel like I'm going. I think I'll be going to the NHL draft combine in mm-hmm. Buffalo in oh, early cool. June, which is a ton of fun. I've never been. Obviously, going to Nashville for the draft, and then I'm hoping. I don't know the exact logistics of it or the specific plan, but I'd love to do some sort of off season connection related story that involves some travel as well. So a bunch of stuff around that, and then beyond that, I mean, honestly, I'm just looking forward to. I don't know, just being able to go to the beach again. Yeah. Honestly, that's the biggest thing. There nothing beats being able to just watch a Vancouver sunset mm. on the beach or, or bike around the seawall, just all that little stuff. When the weather's when the weather's nice out, I'm really really looking forward to it. He is a romantic, folks, for all the ladies watching, just so you know. Harmon <laughs> Dial, major romantic. He's looking for those sunsets uh in the summer. I like how I'm like, "Hey, what are you excited about when things slow down in the summer?" And you're like, "Oh, just a bunch more hockey work stuff." <laughs> like, yeah, I don't know. I'm take just a break, wired bud. like that. Yeah, I know it's bad. No, I know you're going to get uh, get your time and we got to play some outdoor pickleball as well. I know you've uh, yeah. messed around with it a little bit. I haven't gone to a court yet. I'm going to go to Stampede. That's the one thing I'm really oh, excited for. Boys nice. trip, so. Very good. Um one of the things I remember some of my friends doing for the Calgary Stampede was like leaving from Vancouver Island, you catch the first ferry out. And you can make it to the Stampede like that day. Just like you get in Damn. at night that day. It's a long day uh, for sure to make that drive. But why don't we dive into some Canuck stuff? I know we have a lot to get to today. We're going to talk about um, oh, our tickers off here today. We got a, a different ticker. Um, what to watch from tonight's game as the Vancouver Canucks face off against the Chicago Blackhawks tonight. Man, those Blackhawks, uh, they suck. They suck big time. Uh, but they did beat the Flames the other night there on Tuesday. Before that, losing eight games in a row. So... Feels like a great night, if any. If any night's going to present itself as an opportunity for a guy to make his debut, Blackhawks seem to be the way. We've seen the Canucks do this before earlier this season as well, uh, with Aiden McDonough being an example there. Tonight, Cole McWard, the right shot defenseman out of Ohio State, the Ohio State Buckeyes, one of my favorite uh, ones to say. McWard is going to make his debut for the Canucks tonight. Looks like... I think we're expecting Akito Hirose to be the odd man out, but I don't think we know for sure because Quinn Hughes wasn't at practice yesterday. He is going to play tonight. Uh, That is the expectation anyways that Rick Tockett told us this morning in the media availability. But Cole McWard, what are you expecting tonight as he makes his NHL debut against a horrible Chicago Blackhawks team? Yeah, it's interesting because the honest answer is that McWard was an off-the-radar type of NCAA free agent. I, I don't think he was a guy that garnered a lot of buzz, especially because he, he was a sophomore, right? A lot of guys 
that sign out of the NCAA are usually juniors or they're seniors. They're closer to that 22, 23, even in, in Hirose's case, almost 24-year-old sort of range where they've been pr- pretty deep through school and you know that they're ready to make uh, a professional sort of um, impact and that they don't have a lot of development time left in terms of the runway. And having said that, with uh, with McWard, it's a bit different because he's younger. So he has more development runway. He's going to, my guess, is be more raw than Hirose. I think when, when you look at Hirose, he was an elite, elite NCAA performer. Mm-hmm. Whereas McWard, good NCAA player, but understandably, because he's younger, he hasn't ascended to that you know same same sort of level. So because of that, I expect him to be a little bit more raw, but with his skill set... I do think um, in watching a little bit of tape from college, he seems to move well for a player his size. I mean, I saw him in practice, and right away, my first thought was, man, this guy's big. He's listed at 6'1", so I figured, okay, he's probably going to be around average size. But no, watching him at practice, like he, he looked big, man. He looked closer to at least like 6'2", and um, you know, I, I, he, he had a solid sort of frame on him. So right away, his size popped, and when you combine that with in college, at least at that level, his uh, his mobility seems pretty pretty good, especially sort of walking the line in the offensive um, mm-hmm. zone. It's uh, it's going to be intriguing to see how his skill set fares, but it's such a jump up in terms of speed and skill when you go from the NCAA to the NHL, especially when I imagine actually I don't even know the exact you know sort of time when his um, NCAA season ended and how long of a layoff it's been because for players as well. If you take a week or two off, you quickly lose that game shape type conditioning. So all of that is to say I'm tempering my expectations, but I do think he's an intriguing project uh, moving forward. Yeah, most definitely. And that was what I asked Rick Talkett this morning because how much has he mentioned, um, you know, whether it be Akito Hirose or Aiden McDonough, it's like we want to get him some practices before we run them into the lineup. He got one practice. One practice for Cole McCord. He's going to hop right in. And I think you bring up a good point. Like he's 21 years old. I said it on yesterday's show. This isn't a player who's going to help your team or even really battle for a spot on the NHL roster next season. This is a prospect that you want to develop correctly. And this is where the changes that this organization has made under the new regime for their development team is going to be challenged, right? This is where what is happening in Abbotsford, because that's likely where he's going to be next season. What are the developments going to happen in his game? Uh, guys like Gary Agnew, uh, the Sedins out there, these players that are really helping uh, kind of develop on the AHL and in the farm, they're the ones that are going to be challenged with this player, and they're the ones who have to come up and you know step up to the plate here and develop this kid because there there's some excitement here for sure. I, I think he didn't get a lot of hype in the NCAA free agent pool because nobody thought this guy was going yeah. pro, right? Like to me, he's he's in the age bracket, and I said this on yesterday's show as well. He's in the age bracket of being a CHL overager and coming out like Arshdeep Baines. Like the fact that Arshdeep Baines is older than this guy kind of says a lot about how young this right shot defenseman is. And uh, J-Pat brought something up today when we were just kind of chit-chatting between media uh, availabilities. And he was like, you watch this kid and he's got a really like, there's no good way to say this, but he's got a long stick. Yeah. He's got a long stick for the right shot defenseman. That's really good to see it. It'll be interesting to watch how he, Tonight, when I'm watching him, I want to see how he looks when there's speed coming his way. When there's NHL speed coming at you, how are you evaluating where you need to be on the ice, where your stick needs to be on the ice, what you need to do with your body position? Because as we're going to get to a little bit later when we talk about who's impressed harm, Akita Hirose has done a really good job of that so far this season. I think when you're watching the little 
you know, little parts of his game that'll end up adding up to being an NHL player. Hirose's had a couple really impressive things off the top. So for McWard, as a right shot guy, you basically just, you know, it's like getting your foot in the door immediately almost when you're a right shot guy with how much value there is behind that position. So tonight I, I'm with you. I don't have a ton of expectation. A couple of really nice plays will get me excited about the player, though, for sure. Like if I see a couple of good breakout passes, a couple of good jobs in the corner, kind of, you know, using that size that he has, we'll have to see what happens. I, I'm with you where don't expect much, but be ready to be impressed if he does do something good. So it's a kind of a win-win situation for him because he has the excuse of like, ah, I didn't get to practice. I didn't get all this stuff. So that excuse can just be used if he has a bad game. If he has a good game, cool. Whatever, we'll take it. It's nice, it's fun. What you'd hope for a player in that situation more than anything is that they take something from that experience that allows, that really like stokes a fire in them in Mm. terms of thinking to themselves, oh, I may not be there yet, but I can get to the NHL as a full-time player. Like I, I can, if I work my tail off, I feel like I can elevate and develop myself to the point where I can legitimately belong. And when you have that belief in your mind, anything that anything that you want to achieve, it starts with having that belief. Like you like you need to have it internally because that's going to be something that you can potentially obsess over once you've gotten a taste of it, right? Because once you're in the NCAA, right? You might see NHL teams interested in you and whatnot, but usually you know that okay, probably going to have to start developing in the American League. And in this case, McCord is likely going to spend a lot of time in the American League, but to get that first taste of action, it feels so it, it feels so much more real. Yeah. And so then it becomes a goal that you can obsess over, especially I imagine sort of being being in the locker room, getting treated to all the amenities that come with being an NHL level player. You hope that it's a sort of experience that uh, that makes him really excited to pursue this dream and goal even more, and that that carries over into his summer training, the level of diligence, focus, and discipline that he has in Abbotsford next season. So that's what I'm hoping McWard himself takes away from this from this experience. And on to that, to add to that, I think the other thing is like he's going to get this experience as an NHL, or he's going to travel with the team after this road trip wraps up. And like we have been saying for the last few minutes here, he's going to be in the AHL next year. When you look back, probably next season, when we're you know fast forwarding here to next year, he looks back and he sees how nice life was in the NHL. Oh yeah, you're going to be pretty motivated to oh, work yeah. as hard as you can to get back there because listen, the AHL it's it's great, uh, especially for the Abbotsford Canucks. They're actually one of the teams that has to fly everywhere. They don't take a bus anywhere like a lot of teams in the AHL do. Um, so it's not like the worst living, but. You know, th- there's a difference to traveling to Florida and New York and oh, yeah. uh, Chicago even than it is going to Bakersfield and oh, uh, yeah. Manitoba and things like that. Like, I, th- I think getting that taste of the NHL is a great Steak, motivator. Yeah, I mean, you, on, on the um, NHL team planes, the charters, it's like you're eating steak. Everything's taken care of you. Meanwhile... Curtis Lazar, I remember uh, having a chat with him early, early in the season. It's like when you're in the American League... You get uh, a pamphlet of um, of options in terms of like what to eat post game, and it's like chicken tenders and fries. It's like the the very basic arena type food. You're not living like a king down down in the American <laughs> League. I, I mean, it's funny. I actually t- talked to uh, Dakota Joshua a week ago about that as well. In the East Coast League, it's even worse. He's like, oh gosh, on the bus they take you to. Um, they they don't have a lot of time to like cater food or, or even the budget to do that. So. 
from traveling city to city, they'll like stop by a gas station and get those like nasty gas station hot dogs. And it's like, all right, boys, fuel up. <laughs> yeah, fuel up is right. No, I said they're eating like us uh, in the AHL. I know that. Uh, hey, we've had our, our fair share of chicken fingers uh, over the years, that's for sure. But uh, yeah, I'm excited to watch it tonight. It's a right shot. D's got some size. Really liked. Um, I just, you know, liked the vibe in his first media availability as well. Seems like a happy-go-lucky kid who's excited to be here uh, and feels that this organization is the best for his development moving forward. He will burn a year off of that two-year deal when he plays tonight. So he's got one more year next year to prove. I think we're seeing that a lot. We're going to see a lot of these little one-year deals for this Canucks team as they really figure things out next season and see what they can do to build off of that. But I like what they're doing with these with these young players that they're adding. The goalie, uh, Tolopolo, uh, adding him to the group has been good. Uh, and just some of these guys that we're going to see out in Abbotsford next year, like it's it's going to be very young. It's going to be a very young team out there in Abbotsford next year, and I think that's going to be critical down the road here, two to three years from now, about what you can do to add to your NHL team when you're talking about adding depth and you don't have to go out and buy fourth liners. You don't have to go out and pay for a third-line center in free agency. You hope that he's there in Abbotsford. Atu Ratu could be the example of the guy who fills that 3C spot down the road. You know, looking for some wingers to play on a fourth line. You have Arshdie Baines. You have Daniil Klimovich potentially in middle six. Like, get the farm going. Make that your way because it's it's in-house. It's a cheaper option. It's much better than going and finding bottom six guys, bottom end of your lineup guys, bottom pairing guys, going out and paying for them in free agency. Yes, you can get cheap guys for sure. But it's nice to just do it in-house. It's nice to know exactly what you're getting from a player when they get to the NHL, and I think that's what we're seeing the Canucks kind of migrate to more with how the AHL team is being used. Yeah, they've invested a lot into player development, and this is where, again, moving from Utica to Abbotsford is such a game-changer for that because for players, it's way more of a draw to have a team that's so close to your, um, your NHL one because... When the team was out in Utica, I know and having spoken to um, agents in the past that some of their clients, Canucks prospects, it, it just felt like they weren't really part of the Canucks organization. They were just so secluded, so far away that especially it's like if the coach doesn't like you, you feel invisible because management's Who are you going to talk to? Yeah. Exactly. And, and management's only going to come and make one trip a year to see you. You feel invisible in that sense, whereas here in Abbotsford, you have so many instances where, where coaches, NHL management, because of the proximity, is able to go down and actually um, you know, watch these games. Plus, not to mention, for a lot of these quad A guys that the Canucks have sort of signed as well, we talk about players like Christian Willanen or Sheldon Dries, who's, who's chipped in with around 10 goals this season. For them, it's really appealing that if they don't make the NHL team and they have to get sent down sent down to the American League, that it's just a two-hour dr- drive down Highway 1 as opposed to a flight all the way across North America. Yeah, it's it's much better for that point of view, and as well as I think you touched on a little bit there, but the development team being there. The Sedins working seven days a week and having one of them at practices. Uh, Ian Clark having constant communication with the goaltenders like Archer Silovs, and now this, uh, am I saying, is it Tola, Tola Polo? Tolai Polo? I'm, I'm, I'm not the best with names. It's a goalie. I don't care. Um, but he's he's an option to kind of work maybe with Archer Seelaws next year as a pretty young tandem in the AHL, which would be exciting. I just I like the way the youth is being prioritized for the AHL team because think about well, – I've said this a couple times now. I hope I'm not repeating myself too much, but it's different with a different co-host. I've said this on Halbro. I've said this yesterday, so I'm going to say it again. You know, getting – 
the, these young players onto this team is very different to have them be the driving force of your AHL team than it was when they moved to Abbotsford and it was Justin Bailey, Sheldon Rempel, even Sheldon Dries, Phil DiGiuseppe. It's a very different story when it's like, hey, Atu Ratu's driving the bus now. Danila Klinovich is driving the bus some games. Uh, Jet Wu's playing Nils really Huglander. good. Niels Huglander. These young guys, there is a massive difference in my eye because there's a runway still for what these guys near the NHL. For for guys like Justin Bailey or, or Phil DiGiuseppe, there's, there's a runway. They can do something in the NHL. They absolutely can. They have enough skill to be quad A type of players who make sense if they can find a right spot in the NHL. They have a runway, but it's much more limited than a 21-year-old, 22-year-old kid playing in the AHL. I think that's what should be exciting, and that defense core next year with some ads like McWard and Hirose uh, and even Jet Wu stepping up now, like I think you're going to basically have like an opening night AHL defense core that maybe has one guy over the age of 25, maybe like a Noah Juleson or Guillaume Breezeball being that guy. Like It's pretty exciting. It's exciting things for me to watch uh, that team continue to get younger. Uh and playoffs around the corner. we got some more stuff on Abbotsford we'll get to later on in the show, but uh, a couple more news and notes from tonight's game. Thatcher Demko back between the pipes. Any problem here? Nope. No, you don't think so? Because we heard that, uh, you know, a few games, with seven games left, talk it said three or four of these starts are going to be Delia. Yeah, I mean, you can go back to um, to, to Delia for... Um... Is it Delia or Delia, by the way? I've, I've gone with both all year long. Yeah. I don't know. It's, again, it's a goalie. I don't yeah. care. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway... Yeah, I mean, I don't mind going Dem- with Demko tonight and then going back to uh, Delia for uh, for Saturday, uh, giving him another start in um, for one of the back-to-backs, probably the Ana- Anaheim game next week. Then you, um, including the Seattle game, would have ticked off three starts mm-hmm. for him over uh, over the you know seven, eight days. I, I mentioned Quinn Hughes going to be back in the lineup with Chicago in town. Feels like it would have been an okay night to give him a night off. He's battling strep throat. Um, or something similar to strep throw is what Rick Tockett told us today. He said the medicine worked great. Uh, he's feeling much better today than he was yesterday when he missed practice, but I, I'd, I'd give him a night off. Like, let Hirose get another look, right? You know, like, that's, that's the way I would look at it in this spot. Like, on the other hand, who knows? Maybe maybe Quinn's thinking to himself, oh, boy, Chicago's on the schedule. Oh, point night. Point night. Yeah, that's build, fair. Build Norris case. That's fair. And these guys, like, how many times has Tockett mentioned how often Hughes looks over his shoulder at, uh, at 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 Adam Foot trying to get on the ice, like uh, yeah. I, I'm with you. Where it's like, if if I was in that situation, in terms of um, in in Rick in Rick Tockett choose the situation, yeah. yeah, I would probably be like Quinn, just chill. chill. Like <laughs> you played a lot of minutes as well. You're consistently pushing twenty eight, twenty nine, thirty. Like just just relax. I think it's funny to uh, but, picture somebody telling Quinn Hughes to chill. I know, right? <laughs> Maybe the minutes thing is the only situation uh, where you need to tell Quinn Hughes to chill. Uh, aside from that, uh, one more lineup note that we'll get to. Anthony Bavillier is going to move up in the lineup to play with Elias Pettersson and Andre Kuzmenko again. They're going to give that uh, that dog and pony show another run here. What do you think uh, tonight from Bavillier? What do you think about Bavillier getting this opportunity instead of maybe in Aiden McDonough or... You know, even Kraftsoff maybe could have gotten this opportunity. Like one of these guys that still has a lot more question marks about them. Don't get me wrong. There's question marks about Anthony Bavillier for next season and what his future is with the Canucks, obviously. But I don't know. I, I would have liked to see a different guy get this opportunity, especially at this point in the season. I, I, I would have loved to see McDonough there. Yeah, although I don't know if he would have had the speed yet to keep up sure. especially from a forechecking standpoint like that's where Bovillier needs to make an impact mm. is um 
Pedersen and Kuzmenko can create magic amongst themselves, especially with all the little give, uh, give and goes in the offensive zone. But we've heard Rick talk really emphasize how that line needs to be more effective on the forecheck, and that's where Bovillier, when he's at his best, can use his speed to hunt down pucks, win battles. That's why Talkett initially tried Joshua in that in in, um, in that role as well to complement those uh, those guys. And and you know for for that line, we sort of saw flashes, but nothing really stuck. Uh, whereas with Bavillier, again, you're you're just hoping that he can be the sort of presence that can win you a lot of puck battles back, does a lot of the dirty work for that line, and then can, while Pedersen and Kuzmenko are doing all those uh, give and goes and making elite plays among each, uh, amongst each other, that Bavillier can be the guy that um, finds a soft ice, makes himself open, and just doesn't screw up when he gets a chance. Right. And that's... And I honestly, he's been thing. pretty good in that role. No, and I think that's the thing that Tockett was looking for from Dakota Joshua in that spot was like be able to be the a driving force on the forecheck, but able to continue the play. And I think Joshua only really did one of those two things. Like I think he was effective on the forecheck. You know, he's got that long stick, big body. He's able to do a lot of that on the forecheck, but I don't think he was able to continue the plays or add yeah. to the stuff that you just mentioned there with Kuzmenko uh, and Pedersen. So I think that's why Bovillier is going back. I think Bovillier, they're hoping that, yes, he may not be the forechecking force that Dakota Joshua can be when he's on his game, but he can definitely add more, I think, to a cycle, an offensive yeah. zone possession than Got Dakota better Joshua. instincts. Yeah, exactly. So we'll see him uh, work today. I know uh, I think he matched his points for the season um, with the Islanders in 20 less games now with the Vancouver Canucks. So good opportunity tonight, and he's he's been fine, right? Like, he's been fine at this point. He's a he's a guy who will have an interesting... Uh, we've been doing this thing on the show, doing a spotlight on the player's season and then what it's going to look like in the future. Bavillier will probably have uh, an interesting one here. Do we want to get the lines up real quick? I think we got Alex now. Alex Allard, our producer. Uh, they got him running double time over there uh, with the Ottawa Senators guys. I don't know what they're talking about over there. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I think we covered everything with the lineup changes. Kuzmenko, Pedersen, Bavillier... DiGiuseppe, Miller, Besser as your second line, Joshua, Amon, and Garland on your third line, and then McDonough and Dries, and then one of Studnika or Kraftsoff. I think it's going to be Studnika uh, hopping into the lineup. And with that, let's get to our reverse standings as well. Let's get this thing up here, uh, see where the Canucks are at, where they can go. They are currently sitting with the eighth best odds of winning the draft lottery and moving up to either the one or two spot. They are four points back i guess four points up on the philadelphia flyers they're the team that you're hoping they can catch but i tell you what what i worry about more when i'm looking at this is the washington capitals only two points ahead of the i know Canucks. the st louis blues four points ahead the detroit red wings four points ahead i, I said it on the show yesterday if you could just freeze this i'll take this oh I'll take yeah percent oh, because i'm worried that they can catch one of these two yeah teams. Three i mean teams. especially you've you've still got my goodness you've got chicago obviously tonight then you've got Anaheim, although that's on the second leg of a back-to-back, which isn't always easy. But still, playing Anaheim, and then you finish the season off against Arizona. Mm. So, I mean, yeah, you've got Calgary and L.A. in between there. But, I don't know, Canucks always seem to play, you know, at, at least show some level of fight against the Flames. Like, right. not necessarily last game, but in the big picture. Cal- like, Edmonton's the Alberta team that always beats up on the Canucks. Mm-hmm. Always with McDavid and Drysaddle, they just dunk all over Vancouver. Whereas Calgary, it's always like you have games last year where, for example, the Canucks just like dominated the Flames six nothing, and they like chase Jacob Markstrom. Yeah. So it's like you don't know if the Flames, even though 
they've been, you know, play, they they've they're playing for the playoff lives. You don't know what effort you're going to get from from the Flames. Honestly, like we've seen Calgary, they 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 lost all uh, all of their season games against Chicago. So it's like that's a complete mystery well, box. Alex has brought it up a million times on this show. 15 regulation or overtime losses, 15 loser points. Alex wants a loser point out of here. He thinks Ottawa would be a playoff team without it. Um let's uh let's move forward here because it's time to get to little bit of music here on the show and uh it's your rock music harm let's go your rock music because it's time for who's impressed harm oh yeah we got to get some of your uh i got to clip some of the funnier things you say get that into this oh yeah i do it we'll have to see i can go back and find something maybe i'll just clip me talking about the uh mcward's big stick and uh we'll get that in there somewhere uh harm who's impressed you this week Akito Hirose. All right. Coming Akito straight out of Hirose. the NCAA. Seeing the level of poise that he has with the puck. I mean, right from his NHL debut, and keeping in mind that this wasn't a debut against the Chicago Blackhawks. This was a <laughs> debut against the LA Kings, who yeah. are uh, shaping into one of the best teams in the Western Conference and have been really, really hot lately. Against that level of forecheck in terms of the speed and size against him, that's among the toughest challenges you could throw a player into. Mm. And right from that, um, right from that game, we saw Hirose show a lot of confidence where he just didn't feel any nerves. Yep. It's interesting. Like a lot, of, a lot of times when you when you sort of have a player making their debut. And they get the puck, and there's a lot of pressure on, pressure on them, especially when they're not used to NHL pace. They panic and make a rushed decision. You didn't see him make any rushed decisions, which I thought was uh, was impressive. In fact, there were situations where he'd hang on to the puck for a split second extra hmm. just to allow another passing lane to open up from the defensive zone for a little slip pass on the breakout. Right. So that impressed me. And also, his agility in tight spaces when he recovers a loose puck and he's trying to pick up those first two or three steps to escape the quick change in direction, that allows him to evade four checkers. And that's an asset that uh, I've been impressed at how well it's uh, translated at the NHL level because I'll tell you, for for defensemen, it's not so much the top speed that matters. Sure, if you if you have the, an incredible top speed, that's that's awesome, but... It's more the acceleration, right? With Quinn Hughes, for example, he's not the fastest guy in a straight line. Right. He's just got elite, out-of-this-world level of agility. And so it's almost like when you have a car being more focused on the 0-60 to 60 than you are about the top speed it can reach. Mm-hmm. That's what it is for defensemen. It's your first two, three strides that are everything, in my opinion, for that level of escapability in the defensive zone, for being able to beat a four-check on the breakout. I've seen that from Hirose. Obviously, there are moments where you see, sure, he could probably, um, you know, in the corners, there are a couple of, in, a couple of instances where you're like, okay, like, uh, he's not perfect yet, which, of course, you don't expect him to be. No. But uh, by and large, he's exceeded my expectations and looked way more comfortable in an NHL environment than I expected. And you can absolutely make the argument that it was too bad that the Canucks missed out on right shot defensemen Jake Livingstone and Sam Alinsky. I also think you can make an argument, uh, and I know J.D. Burke of Elite Prospects would make this argument, that 
Akito Hirose was the best left shot defenseman free agent coming out of the NCAA, which is a good ad for the Vancouver Canucks. This is a guy that you hope can play NHL games for you beyond this season, of course. And, you know, he's getting this opportunity right now. This is, this is great, you know, but they've also ran 16 defensemen out there after tonight. So it's not like this guy is immediately shot up to be a top six candidate for the NHL team next year. He's going to be in the AHL next year, but this taste is kind of like we talked I about mean, a little bit. I mean, why early. not? Why, why can't, like, he should be able to compete with Christian Wolanin. Uh, uh, he's not the should front he? runner. I'm, I, like, Wolanin's definitely the front runner, right. runner, but he should at least make it very, very difficult. Yeah, he I, should be pushing. Like, that, that, I'm expecting a really, really strong camp because he's going to be 24. Hmm. 20, like, 24, like, he's, you know, how much younger he's, let me put it this way. He's older than Quinn Hughes. Yeah. No, it's true. I, I think what's going to be interesting there is there are going to be some battles. I, I just think that pro hockey and experiencing a year of it makes a very big difference on a player to think that they're ready for the NHL, whether it's in Europe, in the AHL, or anything. I think there is just such a advantage for Christian Wolanin and even Jack Rathbone, who's probably going to be battling with, with Hirose in that spot. And I do agree with you. I think there could be a battle. I think if he has an awesome offseason and he really learned from his time here in the NHL and maybe he's around here with Rick Tockett, all those things are going to help him get that chance. I just think once you've gone through pro training camps and you've gone through pro seasons and you've seen the thing go, how what to expect from preseason games, everything. Like There's a lot of stuff that he just hasn't learned yet that I think is going to affect him in training camp. So he's just simply got to rely on his skill and how he shows at camps to look good. And I'm curious with Hirose, if he does have enough of those raw skills because I think his his game translates extremely well when you're actually playing. I'm wondering what he looks like in a training camp environment. Because I think Jack Rathbone has those skills that stick out in a camp setting. I think Christian Wolanin has those skills that will stick out at a camp setting. Hirose's strengths are going to look better in game action. So I'm curious that's to see really, how that looks. True, that's where it matters, point, though. But that's where it yeah, matters, right? Yeah. It's, it's how you perform in the games. And uh, I found it interesting how Rick Tockett mentioned that there, was, there were a couple of plays down low... Mm-hmm. where we know that for Hirose, he needs to get stronger. But Tockett highlighted how his defensive technique, defending down low the way he took two hands on it, right on a guy's hips right. to win that battle, he said that was textbook. It was the sort of thing that he wants to show the rest of the team. Mm-hmm. That's big. So that's what Here's comes the with- problem, though. I've heard that same type of thing said about Will Lockwood and how he forechecks and all these things. So you can, you know, this, this is something you hear. And I, I get it means something. It doesn't mean something every single time. Because I've heard this about Will Lockwood and his penalty killing in the AHL. But this was this was in an NHL environment, Good right? Point. Yeah. Talk and and talk. It doesn't like he's not. He doesn't just throw mm, praise yeah. out. You know, like he's a pretty honest guy, right. and you could tell that he genuinely meant it. Again, I'm not saying I'm to be very clear. I'm not saying he's a front runner. He's you know, an outside shot. He's in the conversation I, I you're saying, though. Yeah, he, yeah. like, I, I I look at him as the sort of player who is probably battling with Guillaume Brisebaugh in terms of who's on the hierarchy to be the first, uh, first call-up in case of an injury sort of thing. What would you make the odds of Hirose being able to jump Jack Rathbone in the offseason after training camp? High. From, what, just, from his play. I, I just don't, I haven't seen enough in Rathbone. I just don't see the level of consistency and um, with Rathbone, he also he isn't as smart of a decision maker as Rose. Right, that's he's got more raw skill. He's got more raw skill for sure. Probably a better skater. Probably a better skater, 
but decision making is decision making is everything. And man, it's been like he's he's not reliable. It's just the biggest no. thing. He's just not a reliable player. And again, I I just spoke about Taka being honest. He said, "Look, yeah, there there are you know positives in Rathbone's game, but he also." doesn't have the consistency in terms of that decision-making for when to pinch, when not to, positioning, decision-making, all those sorts of things. And for me, the fact that Rathbone can't kill penalties... He was the other night, though. But that's... I mean, like, this is game... For sure. You know, whatever. And You know what? And that's where Hirose can get the step up. If he comes into camp and is like, I would want to kill penalties, I work... You know, it's something I've studied through the off-season... You know, give me all the tape that I can. Like yeah. impress. The I think he has a lot more potential defensively to be reliable mm-hmm. than Rathbone because of that intelligence. Right. No, it's fair. It's it's complete. Like how big is intelligence at the NHL level and just hockey IQ? It's massive. It, it's what keeps a lot of guys in the AHL throughout their careers. It's yeah. what keeps guys in the KHL. Also, a lot of me saying that is also me just kind of being down on Rathbone and sort sure. of viewing this as like, a, I don't I don't think the organization views him as having an NHL future. No, with I don't this think team. so. Yeah, and that's what will be interesting with him in the offseason if there is an organization out there that believes that. And can the Canucks get a pickback? Because, yeah, it's it's going to be very difficult for this guy to find success in Vancouver. He's had a long, he's had a long run. He's had a long run here with the, with the Canucks to figure it out. It, it just hasn't happened. Uh, injuries have obviously hurt him and his chances that way, but you're and, right. There's a lot of things that just haven't clicked at the NHL level. And the difference too is, uh, again, I don't want to read too much into two NHL games, but with Rathbone, he has more of that raw skill and the top end speed, but, the passing, like you, he ices the puck a lot for a guy who's supposed to be yeah, a strong I'll say puck moving. From watching him this year and last year, there there is like consistency has really hurt his game. Consistency of playing has really hurt his game, and like, I think not having that kind of like I don't even know how to, you're almost on a pedestal when you're the number one defenseman. You have NHL future. You're playing on the power play. He wasn't on that pedestal this year because Wolanin was there doing all that. So he lost a lot of time from that. He lost a lot of time from the injury. Like it's he hasn't been able to consistently play and get touches. And how much do we hear players talk about how important it is to get touches on the puck? Like it's it's been a tough season. Yeah, and the other thing too is um, for me, it's just what's Rathbone's identity? Okay, it's as a strong puck moving defenseman, mm-hmm. right? If he's going to make an, an NHL impact, it's going to be with his transition value. That hasn't translated at the NHL level. There's only been one game this season, or or even over the last two seasons, the the one against Chicago, the second leg of the back-to-back, where right. I was like, wow, okay, he's consistently making these passes. He's on the mark. He's sharp. Wow. But other than that, again, he I like he makes way too many mistakes on the yeah. breakout for a guy who's supposed to be a puck, like a good puck mover. Yeah, you're right. That should be your like if you have your bread and butter, you got to like work that. With that like that's got to be your strength, right? Yeah. No, it's true that and and even the power play, like the power, he doesn't not like he's getting a ton of minutes on the power play, but it's not like he's shown anything at the NHL level yet. Yeah, and, and struggled this year on the, in the AHL as well. Like a lot of really good, strong looking one timer slap shots, but a lot of them missed the net as well. So it's been yeah. a down year for sure. And that's where with Hirose, I was like, okay, right from your first NHL game he's, against yeah. the LA Kings, similar sort of like similar sort of player in that he's he's going to make his value more as a steady puck mover than he is as a big. Big defender who's going to break up cycles and bully yeah. guys in front of the net, and you saw it translate against one of the 
best teams in the Western Conference, right? Again, I'm not going to read too much into two games this late in the season, right? He could, like, down the stretch, he could, you know, have a couple of really bad games. But I was like, okay, like, that's translated right away. That's important. It's a great thing to build off of and make that your bread and butter, too, just being a smart defenseman. Because you can, you know, Rathbone, if he does live up to his bread and butter, he's got to play with a defensive guy. Yeah. You can't put him with Quinn Hughes. Could could Akito Hirose down the road, if, if everything goes perfect, be like a guy who plays with Philip Ronick or Quinn Hughes if he gets to that point? Yeah, because he's that type of defenseman. Rathbone just isn't that. Rathbone needs a type to be his partner. It yeah, seems like Hirose, like a Luke that's Chen type. Yeah, and for Hirose, doesn't seem like he needs any type of partner. From the early, and you're right, it's two games. But hey, we're at the end of the season. What else do we have to talk about? Let's spend you know 20 minutes on Akito Hirose. Um and we'll wrap up our 20 minutes on that. Let's uh, let's dive into our poll question. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. A little bit. We do have a couple AHL things, and then I'm uh, I'm coming at you for your uh, your prospects report. We're talking prospects. I've okay. seen you guys, you and uh, Drance over there have put it together. Um, let's get our poll question up here. Uh, brought to you by the great, 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 great Great folks at Atlas Goods. They are flipping those pork rinds, folks. They got the mini ones. They got the bacon-flavored ones, the perfect zero-carb snack. You can use our promo code CC15 for 15% off your first order. That's better than the opening offer that they try and give you on the website here, but the the gorgeous website. Uh, So today's poll question brought to you by the great folks at Atlas Goods. Check them out, atlasgds.com. And like I said, promo code CC15 for your first order of pop rinds. I'm telling you, folks. Just try them. Just try them. You you will be surprised how good these pop rinds, pork rinds, everything is. It's very good. Fresh, warm. It's like, you know when you go to a, a Mexican uh, restaurant and you get the warm tortilla chips? They're like real tortillas oh, yeah. that are cut into chips, fired into the air fryer. They come out and they're warm, and they're just that much better. That's what you're getting with these things. You dip them in, uh, you know, make nachos out of them, dip them in whatever. I've had it with a little barbecue Ketchup. sauce. Oh, yeah. Good little mix there. Um, ketchup, that'll work. We got this ketchup uh, seasoning. I love it. I put it on everything. Oh, yeah? A little bit of ketchup seasoning on the eggs. Love it. All right. Um, our poll question now. Brought ketchup. To you by ketchup is basically barbecue sauce. No? Yeah. I would, I it's would different. say it's, a, it's even more multi-purpose. Like, it's got a lot more you can do with it. Um, I'd yeah. say it's like a low-grade barbecue sauce. Yeah, I'd say so. I think it's it's the children's barbecue sauce. It's probably the best way to put it. Uh, is that is and, that what you're calling me a child? And, and Harmon, he likes it too. <laughs> he likes his ketchup. Uh, what is your what's your go to barbecue? Do you have one barbecue sauce go to? I got mine. Alex, I can tell has it. We'll I, get to his in a second. I'm whatever. I'm not picky. You're not you, whatever. Uh, yeah. Whatever you throw. Alex, are you a? Do you have a barbecue sauce that's your favorite or a steak sauce? Something. Oh yeah, Farm Boy. Farm Boy's original. Yeah, it's an Ottawa store. Oh. Got a great. Grilling sauce. Hmm. Okay. Farm boy. Well, uh, nobody will 
know of that here in the chat. We do have a couple listeners in Ottawa, actually. I see I see the city no, not, None of you guys can get it. So. No, dang. All right, we'll send us some uh, and send Harm some more ketchup. He's running low. Mine is uh, Sweet Baby Ray's. I mean, simple. I'm good with it. Sweet Baby Ray's, uh, the honey flavor one. That's my go-to. Uh, let's get to our poll question here. Will you closely, will you be closely, who wrote this thing? Uh, Alex, no, it was me. Uh, will you be closely following the Abbotsford Canucks AHL playoff run? The options are yes, I'll follow along. Yes, if they win a series. No, but I hope they win. Or our fourth option, I'm angry. Where's Alex going with this one? Yes, I'll follow along. And 69% of people are rocking with yes, I'll follow along. 6% of people saying yes, if they win a series. 21% of people saying no, but I hope they win. And I'm angry. This might be an all-time season low. Alex, you're the one clicking these polls. Is this a season low for I'm angry? Only 2.2%? Is this the lowest you've seen? This has got to be the lowest I've seen. Yeah, I think that's the lowest. Wow. Everybody's happy. It's, it's, a long it's never weekend. been zero. No. Which is kind of surprising. Yeah, unless I like put up the poll right before the show, maybe that's the only time. But hey, it's a long four-day weekend. Everyone, No one's angry. Everyone's excited for the weekend. Weather sucks, but... Um, Still, uh, so to answer this poll question, yeah, the, the Abbotsford Canucks, they've clinched their playoff rounds at home. They're going to open up on April 19th, followed by April 21st and April 23rd, if necessary. 69% of people saying, yes, I'll follow along. Harm, you cover the NHL team. And you obviously have to pay attention to the AHL team. I cover the AHL team. I'm out there a lot. You've come out with me. I, one of the rare media members who has made it to an Abbotsford game this year. You're on the short list, Harm. Um, what are your thoughts about just the AHL playoffs here? Like, what are some stories that you're looking forward to following um, before we really get into the off-season mode? What are some of those things from the AHL playoffs that you're excited about? Yeah, for starters, it's more exciting because there's actually some young talent down there. Yeah. So I'm intrigued to to sort of follow along and, and track the development of, of guys like Ratu, Hoaglander. I want those guys to be driving the bus. Okay, what's happening with somebody like Danila Klimovich in high leverage games, is he able to sort of earn the trust of a coaching staff playing a disciplined sort of style in the playoffs when the stakes are that much higher, where every mistake is magnified, where your details need to be extra sharp. Archie uh, Baines, Linus Carlson, them as well. Those are those are guys that could be on the outside looking in, you know, sort of, sort of, some of the dark horses maybe trying to push for spots uh, in a depth role next season for uh, for the big club. What kind of uh, performance uh, do they have? And then um, the other storyline that I'm uh, interested to see here is can Spencer Martin rebuild his uh, confidence with uh, with a successful playoff run here? Because I think they might want to go with. I think they might end up going with Martin here as the starter. From yeah. what I've seen, anyways, like he's when they do have one of those midweek games, Martin's the one getting them. Yeah, so Silovs, we'll have to see, but I think it's yeah that that storyline that you just mentioned there is interesting to follow because either way, as long as you're getting success from that goaltender position, whether it be Spencer Martin or Archer Silovs, yeah. either way, you're kind of happy. You're you're happy for the development of Silovs, or you're happy for comeback season for Spencer Martin to potentially be a yeah. backup next. And year. Martin probably knows that. Okay, this is going to be my lasting impression. This is mm-hmm. if I'm dominant down the stretcher, I can show these guys that. You know, maybe don't go out and, and sign a guy to replace yeah, him. Yeah, last chance to show yourself for next season. Because, listen, Martin's he's not getting a prospects camp. He's not going to development camp. I mean, yeah. he's not going to Penticton to be a young star. Like, this is his last chance. So I think they're going to ride with him to and, start. And to anyways. be honest, like, he looked 
really solid as this team's backup until he had to take over as, as the starter. Uh, and was thrust into Think about such the start an awful of the defensive environment. Like when when Demko's record was so bad before the injury, Martin was winning games still. Yeah, and, and it was there was a an argument fire. for him to be a starter. Yeah, like people were pushing for him to get more more starts. And um, and by the time Demko got hurt, the the defensive environment was just such a tire fire. Mm-hmm. And I don't think you can overlook the mental aspect of. Okay, let, let's imagine yourself in Martin's situation. You've got all this burden and pressure on you that, okay, you're the starter now. And uh, then you run into a situation where you're, the, the defense in front of you is allowing all these sort of backdoor tap-ins, which aren't really your fault, but they sting the same because it's still a goal against. And then you might occasionally yeah. let in a softie as well, which you probably should have stopped. And then it just unravels your confidence, it, yeah. and and it becomes sort of a, a, a spiraling negative uh, feedback loop. No, for sure. And I think that's what's going to be that's what's going to be something that like I don't want to call it a goalie controversy, but yes, you want to see Spencer Martin get back to the point of being a backup, but you also want to see Archer Seelaws develop and have these major important games be something that you want to watch him play in right like this is also so it's going to be interesting to see they might just roll with two goalies like they might yeah. go with martin one night seal the other they've been doing that and they've had success all season long i don't think they have a set starter going into this um i, I did ask about the injuries as well uh so we have noah Juleson, christian willanen vasily pod colson all three guys eligible for the hl playoffs rick talkett i asked him about it this morning uh what the status of those guys for he said on track to be back for the hl playoffs for all three of them so that's good news. And then I asked uh, Rick talk a little bit about the HL playoffs. Let's let's run that clip real quick here, um, and then we'll move on to a couple of odds and ends here as we wrap up the poll question. So here's Rick Talkett talking about the HL playoffs. Now you talked about the injuries to Juleson, Pud Colson, and Willan a little bit. They're all eligible for the HL playoffs, which start in two weeks. Is there hope that they're going to be back for the HL playoffs, or is anyone? Yeah, I think uh, uh, no. I think they're they're, they're trending to to that uh, that's. Um, the playoffs, yeah, that's two weeks away. I, I don't know exactly the day, but uh, they are trending to, to be in over the play. And when the HL playoffs get going, what's it going to be like for you to follow that team, watch the team? Yeah, the team? I'll, I'll probably go to a couple of games. Yeah, be, it, like I love, I love watching playoff hockey. Even you know, I went down the other day. I love the uh, like a couple of weeks ago. I went the atmosphere, so it'll be fun. It'll be it'll be fun to see some guys that uh, who have a chance to make our team next year in a playoff style of uh, atmosphere, pressure games. Yeah, and I think that's, I tell you what, talk it, that corner that he's in with the Canucks box, that's right by shirtless corner there in uh, the Outward Center. That's where all the guys, that's lots of shirtless guys in a hockey rink, more than you'll see at Rogers Arena, that's for sure. But it's going to be a lot of fun to watch the HL playoffs, obviously. Uh, there's a lot of storylines. It's something we'll talk about uh, a lot on the show. It's what we're going to have is the main topic kind of af- after middle of April once the season's over. Um, let's get to a couple things on the odds and ends and wrap up here. I'm not going to challenge your list too much yet. Have the athletic for your prospects. Save it for next week. Are you sure? Let's we can do okay. We'll do a okay, little bit. Okay. Let's uh, let's quickly show Jonathan LeCaramacki's goal first here uh, from today. Scores his third goal in five Al Svenskin playoff games. Now loved this quick little move from the back end of the forehand and nice quick release. Uh, I'm going to play it one more time for the YouTube folks here from the top. I got you. Got to see this. It's the backhand tip to gain a little bit of space right there, and then a beautiful shot beating him glove side. Um, good stuff from LeCaramacki. Three goals now in five games. All right, let's talk prospects then. We'll get this thing back. Um, 
Your list came out of the Athletic, the prospect ranks. Yourself and uh, Durant spent a lot yeah. of work on this one. You guys did your ten to five the other day, um, or ten to six the other day, five to one the other day. Uh, and they all just dropped this past week. You guys had Atu Ratu at number one, which I'm not going to argue against. Um, you had Jonathan Lekaramaki at number two, uh, which, yeah, I, I think that one is uh, is probably a pretty likely spot to put Lekaramaki. I have Elias Pettersson above him just because I really liked what Elias Pettersson did in the regular season, but the argument could be made for Lekaramaki in playoff time because Pettersson's not playing any in the SHL, and Lekaramaki's putting out three goals in five games uh, in the Alsvenskin. But you guys, this is the one I had to ask about. This is the one that surprised me a little bit. Josh Bloom at number seven. What was it about Josh Bloom that made you, you know, put him at seven? In terms of you, you thought you were surprised at how high he was? Uh, I was a little surprised yeah. to see him in the top ten when some other guys weren't in the top ten. Yeah, uh, for me, it was how translatable his style of play is because he has the combination of um, of size, speed, and penalty killing ability. Yeah. That I think is just you, you take those three elements. That's that's huge to to sort of have a, having a player. Plus, he's a physical sort of presence um, and and plays that sort of aggressive style. And management was raving about how that's exactly the type of uh, player that they don't have enough of in terms of checking some of those boxes, being harder to play against. So, for me, he's the sort of player that probably has a you know. Fourth line potential. Like, I, I don't view him as a player who's going to necessarily score a lot at the next level, but I just view the likelihood of him providing NHL games being pretty high considering how unique his skill set is and, and how much uh, Ryan Johnson was raving about him. Yeah, there's a lot to like about Blue, specifically the penalty killing stuff. Like, I very much Yeah, I mean, this that. club needs good penalty killers. Yeah, I, I think <laughs> a little bit of it is also... He's got size and speed that is going to give him opportunities to create scoring chances at shorthanded. I, I also think that his reach and stuff, that's good to develop in that in this time. Like when you're in the OHL and you're top guy to kill penalties for your team, it's really good to work on passing lanes being something you focus on more than just shorthanded goals. But the fact that the goals come is great, but I also think the shorthanded goals, a lot of them come from just hey, you get a power play in the in the OHL, some of them have guys on the point who are not going to be able to beat him yeah. in a race. And I think a lot of it comes that way. I hope that he can do these type of things in the AHL, but I just think that's going to be a tough challenge for him, right? There, It's a tough challenge for a lot of guys who come out of the CHL to make that rookie season uh, in the AHL be effective. And Bloom's going to turn 20. So I, I have him on the edge of my top 10. Like on the edge of my top. Who 10. did you uh, really like that we didn't have in our top? It 10? was R.C. Baines. That's yeah. the guy that I thought made the most sense, just from everything that he's done as a rookie in the AHL. I mean, these exciting things about Bloom, you know, killing penalties and scoring shorthanded goals in the OHL. R.C. Baines is doing that in the AHL as a guy who's a couple years older than him for sure. I get that, but it's also a massive jump from CHL OHL specifically to. The AHL, so I think having that success from Arshdi Baines and having him be somebody who's really shown something in all three parts of the game, whether it be power play, five on five, or the shorthanded play, I just think the last, geez, the last ten AHL games I've watched, Arshdi Baines has probably been the best forward in like seven or eight of them. Like mm -hmm. he is playing such good hockey lately that it's it's so exciting to watch him because he's developed all season long. And he's at a point right now where I'm like. 
you know, when, when people still like really start tuning into this AHL team, the playoffs, they're going to see like Baines has been really good of late. He's been the best player on Abbotsford a lot of the last few, like few games. I think he's been excellent. I think that's why I would have him in my top 10 for sure. Uh, the reason we didn't, we, you're, you're right that he's been playing really well, but he's also a lot older as a prospect. He's yep. 22. And usually when you're at that age, you, for a guy to have sort of impact NHL potential, most of the time, at your age 22 season, you want to be dominant. Like, mm-hmm. not like not just really good, but what dominating the league. And you look at Baines, he's been good, but you're still looking at 36 points in 62 games. It hasn't been, like, a monster season. And... Um, and because and because of that, I I just think there's less runway. Whereas opposed to uh, a player like Bloom, he's only 19. Yeah, the thing I would say against that too is when you're talking about a guy who projects as a fourth liner, I, I wouldn't 100% just go off of stats with Baines. I think that's what makes me more excited is watching the play on the boards, the play in the neutral zone, the decision making things we talked about with Hirose earlier. That's what excites me more about him because yes, listen. Baines is not going to be a top six player in the NHL, yeah. unfortunately. He might not be a third-line guy ever. He might not be a fourth-line guy in the NHL. We don't know at this point. But I, I think a lot of the things that he's doing are the type of things I would like to see in a fourth line in 2023. Like this is, type of fourth line, this is what Baines does. I think the concern I've sometimes had, too, is I don't know if he has the speed and the sort of like yeah, that would physicality. Be the, the for sure. Yeah, he's a little a little bit thin, so he doesn't like. I know size and that energy sort of role don't matter as much, but you still want like those elements on a fourth line, mm. right? Whereas like Bloom is like big and fast, like he checks both yep, boxes and he likes playing a physical game. So it's like that. That's why he like. You look at him and you go like, okay, that's what you like really want out of a out of a fourth liner. Whereas with Baines, it's like. Does his style of play, like I know he's reliable defensively, but does his style of play actually like work in an energy line role given that he's a below average skater, is a little bit thin and isn't very physical? There's a thing that I've been doing lately with prospects and it's very much, I think it's a part of me evaluating prospects. It's actually like grown over the years and it's more thinking highly of support players, like Mm -hmm. thinking of a player who makes their line better. Mm-hmm. I've, it's why I've been high on Jacob Truscott. I saw you guys yeah. had him at number 10. He's a support defenseman. Baines is a support forward. Like, he really does. He made Danila Klimovich score goals. He played extremely well defensively. There's a reason why Danila Klimovich is leading the team in plus minus. It's because he spent a lot of time with Archie Baines in the defensive zone. So I think those type of things. Um, you're right, though. I think there are definitely some things. There's a reason why he isn't in the NHL already and gotten that opportunity. Speed would be one of them. This is also a guy who's now gone through. He's still a rookie in pro hockey. He's still a rookie in pro hockey, so I think that there's a lot of upside there. But I, I get where you're coming from with Bloom. I could see why you have him at seven. I just think if I were making a bet on playing NHL games, it would be Baines playing a lot more than Bloom. Sure, that's fair. That's how I'd feel about the prospects. It, it also It's hard with these prospects, and I think a lot of people don't understand this if they aren't writing these, but it, it's, it's so strange because evaluating – like and when you're making a prospects list, it's very hard because it's like, oh, is it's it just easy. about playing games? Is it about making an impact in playing games? Is it about just their high end potential? Like that's the hardest part about making these lists. It's like, I, like I, I think Bloom has higher potential than Archie Baines at the NHL level, but I would bet that Baines ends up reaching his potential 
more like there's a better chance of reaching mm. its potential than Bloom. That's kind of what's what's difficult about. Honestly, this we're splitting hairs anyway totally. because like we're it's like it's like we're it's like we're arguing over like such a minute difference in, in how we view <laughs> yeah. these guys. Well, it's it's actually a very fun process to do because Bloom at 19, you know, compared to Baines at 20 last year, and now Baines at 22, it like. It is kind of a fun thing through development of a player in those really important ages, right? Like, because that's the thing. If Bloom does does exactly what Archie Baines did in his final season of CHL play, I'm probably going to be very excited about Josh. But if he's if he leads the OHL in scoring next season, I like holy. I can't remember if I think they might even try and. Uh, I'm trying to remember based off the conversation we he had. He's eligible, uh, I think, to. Yeah, not only those, sign the ATO, but he also can go back. He can practice with the team and go back to the OHL. I was trying to, based off the conversation I had with Ryan Johnson, I'm, I don't want to put words in his mouth, but uh, I, yeah, so he, I, I think they, so he, here's a quote from RJ on Bloom. He's a really interesting package that we can't wait to dig into throughout the offseason and into the pro game, pro game next year. Hmm. So could we see him in Abbotsford next year? Yeah, you could sign an ATO this summer, so or he could sign an ATO soon. Bloom's series, could, well, that not, not not even necessarily in the playoffs here, but could he sign an ELC hmm. for this coming? Or has he did, has he already signed his ELC with like Buffalo, and it's just been a case where it's um you know what? a slide. I don't. We can double check that real quick. Uh, but either way, like I do have to say, a lot of the things that he's doing. As a leader, too, I hear a lot of really right. positive so, things. Uh, okay, so he's already signed to his ELC. It's yep. just um, uh, sliding. Okay, cool. I mean, that's an option for as soon as next season. I'd like to see yeah. it's another one of these guys. Listen, he comes in at night. He'll be 20 years old this yeah. summer. Um, comes into camp at 20. It's another exciting young player for Abbotsford. I swear, man, this show, my dream would be for this show to just be an Abbotsford show through and through. We talk about lullies. We talk about lose. All the good stuff out there in Abbotsford and all these young players. But uh that's about all we got for the weekend. We're going to take a long weekend here. Anything else you want to close out with your heart? No. Nope. Good. Got it all out. Good. Um, so that wraps it up here. We're going to take Fridays off. We're going to take Monday off. We're going to enjoy the long weekend. I got a Easter dinner. I had to get too excited to see the family. I uh, hope that everyone else can you know get a chance to see their families this weekend or just enjoy some time to rest and relax, get all set uh, for that final couple weeks of the NHL season. Final couple of weeks of this show as well. We got to make some, uh, get a schedule out there for what we're going to do postseason. Uh, we are going to cover we the AHL playoffs uh, quite a bit on the show, and then we'll see what happens after that. So that wraps it up here for my co-host Harmon Dial, for our excellent producer Alex Allard, who's going to enjoy the long weekend, for the tank video that is now playing on the YouTube channel and in your ears on podcasts. My name's Chris Favor, and thank you for tuning into another episode of the Canucks Conversation. Enjoy your weekend, folks. Thanks for listening to Canucks Conversation. Hit the subscribe button to never miss an episode. How about keep it to a thank you, Jim?